Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning and Happy New Year, brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, another edition of Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's open this prayer and start things off right. Father, thank you for, uh, first, a new day, a new year, for opportunities for us to try to refocus on what you will have us do one day at a time. I know you give us all different gifts and talents and even desires and passions and uh, I pray in Jesus' name that you would guide each one of us, um, direct our steps, Lord, and encourage us when we need to take a step. Uh, we trust you that you lead by your Holy Spirit. And also, those divine appointments, we know, God, that you will bring people across our path that need to hear from you. They, some people will need hope. Some people need salvation to know Christ. Some people, believers, maybe will need to come back and repent and, and return to Jesus. And we pray that you'd give us uh, just your spirit leading us in our words. And when we are in those conversations, Father, we trust you and we thank you for those things. We pray that we would be responsible to uh, just deal with our sphere of influence and not worry about other people's lives, ministries, and what other people are doing. Lord, help us to be right in tune and in line with you. Uh, we lift up this day to you. We thank you for another hour to talk about things that are important. And Lord, guide us as you always do. We love you and thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the topics today, and I say topics, plural, um, so much is involved. Um, religion and politics. Wow. <laughs> Some of you are going, uh-oh, you're starting right off with this, eh? <laughs> um, this for my Canadian friends there. Um, well, these are important topics, and some people still have the erroneous idea that we shouldn't discuss such things in public. Well, these are two of the most important things. You know, when you talk about religion, that's salvation, Jesus, truth, God, the Bible. That's all under the umbrella of religion, so to speak. But politics, that affects our ability not, not to believe, because we can believe, but to speak freely about the truth of God, to evangelize, to share the gospel, to have ministries that help people, politics, government, that affects all these things. So today we're talking with Jelaine Appling of Wisconsin Family Council and about so many different issues. But Jelaine, thank you for joining us today on Stand Up For The Truth. Oh, thank you, David. It's great to be with you. And I wish all you and all the group there at Q90 and our listeners a very blessed and happy new year. And happy new year to you and God bless your organization as well. Let's start off with uh, Pew Research Center. I didn't realize I was going to start off with this, but I am now. Um, it says Americans have positive views about religion's role in society. So that you go, okay, wow, really? But they want it out of politics. Uh, most say religion <laughs> is losing. In now this, I agree with this. Most say uh, religion is losing influence on American life. So let's define a few things, Jelaine. First of all, um, Christianity is losing influence on American life, but religion is not, as you know. Yeah. Many beliefs, many religions, even you have to have faith to believe in no God. Um, a lot of other isms and religions are influencing Americans, aren't they? Well, they are. And, and there's no doubt about that. And Christianity, and let's define Christianity, because yes. I don't think it's Christianity in a very generic sense that is losing influence. I think it is biblical Christianity that ascribes to the, the biblical truth of the foundational uh, teachings of the, of the Word of God, um, you know, the gospel. And certain things like what marriage is and, you know, when does life begin and how do we treat people and on and on and on. And how do we become a Christian? How do we that there's only one way 
to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. That's biblical Christianity, and that is losing impl- influence in America. There's no doubt about that. Yes. But there's a reason for that, David. Mm-hmm. The the in order to advance a liberal, well, there's two reasons, and I'll, I'll get to both of them. But one is that in order to advance a liberal, a progressive agenda, you have to silence biblical Christianity. Because biblical Christianity that is out in the marketplace, that is in the halls of government, which is where it should be, and when it is actually practiced as the scripture, as God's word, the Bible tells us it should be practiced. It's not something that's relegated to a Sunday morning service or, you know, to the privacy of my home. It's something I live out 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. And it will influence everything I do. The way I think, the way I speak, you know, how I do, quote, politics, it will influence everything. And and so in order for that liberal progressive agenda to gain ground in our culture, you have to silence the voices that are saying, whoa, 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 no, 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 taking a human life before it's born, that's not right. That's not good for anybody. And mm. changing the definition of marriage, promoting sexual anarchy. So so there's a all-out assault to silence the voice and the influence and the impact of biblical Christianity in our culture. The second reason, though, that biblical Christianity has lost its impact and influence is because we haven't done well at living it out. Hmm. We haven't evangelized well. We haven't taken advantage, as you talked about earlier and as you were setting up the program here, David. Religious freedom affords us the opportunity to live our faith out in a very public way to have influence, to have impact appropriately. I'm not talking about, you know, bludgeoning people and, you know, strong arming people at all, but but just by being who God calls us to be in uh, every area of life. We haven't done that well. The church has kind of gone underground. Uh, you know, we talk about the underground church in places like China. Well, that underground church is thriving. I don't know that our 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 churches here that have kind of said, oh, you know, we just don't want to be real vocal about anything. Mm-hmm. We just want to preach the gospel. I, I don't know that um, being underground in that sense has been helpful at all. In fact, I know it hasn't. And uh, too many Christians are too often, um, I'm going to use a fairly strong word, we're either embarrassed, ashamed, or afraid mm-hmm. to share the truth. Yes, And as a result of that, people don't know the truth like they used to. We don't have this homogeneity in our culture anymore of, around Judeo-Christian beliefs. And that's not, that's not just the culture's fault. That has to fall so on, to some degree on us yes. who claim the name of Christ. Yes, it does. And um, we have a very confused electorate and a very confused culture <laughs> as well. Um, just before we get into some um, local or Wisconsin stories on uh, elections and what's happening with Trump and the impeachment, and what Christianity Today said. want to talk a little bit more about that and some opposing views to the progressive uh, magazine, Christianity Today. But in that Pew survey, many in the United States see religion as a force for good in society because you cannot deny the good Christianity has done and Christians in ministries. And I'm not talking about missions. I'm talking about helping the poor, helping just people in need and doing so much. Salvation Army, Samaritan's Purse, go all down the list through the centuries. And Christianity has done a greater good. But in this Pew Research, only 55%, Julaine, see that Christianity or religion, quote unquote, as a force for good, whereas 63% of people want religious groups to stay out of politics. So this is kind of, is it a little bit confusing for some? Well, it is confusing. And, you know, what it's saying is, on the one hand, they do recognize that in their minds, there's a, quote, legitimate role for religion, if you will. And that is the kind of the, the, the helping hands that we bring. You know, Christianity is the reason we have uh, hospitals. Yeah. The reason we we take care of the poor and we have rescue missions, and you can just go on and on and on with the very practical, real life needs that Christians meet. And and by the way, you want to break the entitlement cycle. 
then Christians and the churches, the Christian Bible-believing churches need to step in and make sure that we take care of our own and that we also reach out into the community and we meet real needs in the communities where our local churches are. That That's appropriate. Mm. But that's only one facet of the ministry of a gospel-preaching, gospel-believing church. The, the, uh, the other side of that, and I would hope, David, that every church that does a, a soup kitchen or puts coats and kids backs or, you know, in any whatever that that social helping is, that they also always are faithfully giving the gospel because the ultimate goal ought to be that we see a soul saved for eternity, not just that we see a body warmed for a night, you know, mm-hmm. and, and fed for a, a day or so. But we, we've, we're talking eternity. And, and so um, that comes with a strong gospel message. But what the public is saying is, we think religion is okay as long as they're doing these feel-good things. But when religion gets in a way, in the quote way of an agenda that is beginning to gain ground, then it is inappropriate for quote religion mm-hmm. to interfere. And that is setting up that conflict that we're seeing time and again in the courts now right. between quote civil rights and religious freedom. Remember, it was one of Obama's um, cabinet members who said, "Whenever civil liberty, civil rights enter um, and it comes into conflict with religious liberty, religious liberty ought to always lose." Hmm. And and so when you say that kind of thing often enough, and when you have the kind of rhetoric that we have in the mainstream media, just relentlessly, you know, over and over and over again. Uh, about religion getting in the way of people's rights and freedoms. That's how you get that kind of pew result that seems very conflicted. Mm. And you mentioned, um, how did you put it? I'm talking about uh, food stamps. Um, you mentioned, oh, the, you brought up entitlements. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the word escaped me for a minute. <laughs> um, more Americans than ever before are not only employed in America, so we've got the lowest unemployment, but almost 4 million Americans have been freed from reliance on food stamps. And as we'll, we'll get to this article a little bit later from Dennis Prager, um, it's kind of talking about the things that Trump has done, the Trump administration and his policies. I don't understand how people can not see that as a moral issue because people are no longer relying on government. Then they are now working, providing for their family. They have jobs. They're off food stamps. And I don't I just don't get it. Some people don't see that as a good thing. Well, you know, it's it's funny. It's it's worldview, isn't it? I mean, it's it's yes. how you how you view things, the, the core beliefs that you hold. And people who are conservative, now they may not be Christians, but they're you know they understand that the culture, the society, our nation, our state, our community is always stronger when we have more family units, in particular being independent of government. Mm-hmm. When family units, married men and women, and their adopted and, bio, and or biological children, when which is the core foundational institution of our society, all right, when those units are independent of government, we are strong. When we have significant numbers of family units or individuals relying on government to be God, if you will, and be the dispenser of food and clothing and housing and education and cell phones and transportation and heat and everything else that that we need to live, mm. then um, we are very unhealthy. Uh, we are on the brink of losing prosperity. We are on the brink of losing our freedom. Mm. And yes. a prosperity cannot be sustained by the few taking care of the many. It is unsustainable. And what President Trump has done is he has seen the reality of that and he has instituted policies that have helped people gain that very necessary independence from government. That is a moral good, David. You are exactly right. Absolutely. And to say, to, to intimate to, or to outright say that that is not good or it is superseded by and, and undone by something else that bothers someone about the president mm-hmm. is very, very shallow thinking. I agree. Um, many evangelicals, many conservative Christians agree, and we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. I want to come back to Wisconsin, though. We talked at the very beginning of the program, or I mentioned elections, um, how important it is to have free elections 
that are fair, that uh, we're, we're free of voter fraud. And <laughs> there's an article you shared with me from the Wisconsin, I'm sorry, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, Wisconsin Elections Commission deadlocks. And for now, it's keeping voters on the voter rolls. But people would look at that headline and go, well, why? Good. They're keeping voters on the voter rolls. But what's the story behind the voter <laughs> registrations of more than 200,000 people in response to this judge's order? Will you break this down for us, Julaine? Yeah, I'll do my best. Look, I want to go back and reiterate what you said. In order to retain the freedoms that we have and the Republican form of government that we have, I'm not talking about a party. I'm talking about the form of government. We have a republic, not a democracy. You don't want a democracy. We have a republic a representative participatory form of government, you have to have free, fair, and honest elections. So what what the voter the, the elections commission's job is to make sure that the people who are legitimately able to vote in our state can do so and that people who are not legitimately able to vote in our state don't. Hmm. And so there are people that on the voter rolls they believe have either moved out of state or moved in state and never bothered to change their address. And by law, it was for the election. It was the election commission's job to notify them that they had X amount of time to let the election commission know that, yes, we have moved. Here's our new address. We're still in the state, but we're in a different area or we've moved out of town. And if they didn't respond within that time frame, they were to be removed from the voter rolls so that no one could come in and fraudulently use that address. Okay. And so um, they, they, they undertook the task, had to go to court um, to force the issue. The court originally said, no, you, well, let me back up a step. Mm -hmm. They looked at, they sent the letter, they got the information. Then they took a vote of the election commission members and they deadlocked back in, I think it was October they deadlocked on that vote and said, no, we're not going to remove those people yet. We're, we, we don't we, we aren't going to do that. Well, hmm. the court stepped in and said, well, yes, you are. <laughs> but they never did. And the court said that it, the law required it within 30 days. And so the court order has been out there. And as recently as last week, maybe it was Monday, maybe I think it was Monday this week. The Elections Commission met and they took another vote on whether they are going to remove those names or not. And they deadlocked again. Yeah, that was Monday. That was Monday. Mm -hmm. So as recently as this morning, I got an email saying that the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty um, is going to file a, a, a brief and a request with the court to put an injunction against the Elections Commission, ordering them to do what they have been told to do. Now, this is. This is interesting. <laughs> are, are, are you, do, do you understand what I mean by the doctrine of the lesser magistrates, David? Explain that. Okay, that means that there's a, and, and it's true, there is a doctrine that says if the, if the elected office above me, all right, let's say the president, does something that is horribly unconstitutional, truly morally repugnant, if I'm the governor of the state, or let's say the Supreme Court does that, then the governor of the state is a lesser magistrate mm -hmm. in comparison to a federal office, yeah, okay? right. meaning not, not the same standing. I have a moral responsibility to uphold the Constitution and the moral and what is morally right. And so, so there, there's a conversation out there that says, you know, with, with somebody higher than me gets it really, really wrong. I, as an elected official at a lower level, still have a moral responsibility to step in. The court, but that's but that assumes that that higher magistrate got it wrong. In this instance, the court did not get it wrong. The court wasn't being a judicial activist. Right. Okay. Now I'm often told, oh, Jelaine, a, a judicial act, judicially activist court is one that doesn't agree with you. That's just <laughs> not true. Okay. A judicially active activist court is a judge or a court that takes the law into their own hands. Their and puts their own uh, actually um, doesn't care what the stated law is, makes up the law from the bench or takes their own personal agenda and puts it into the, the decision. This court looked at what the existing law was and said, here it is in black and white. You don't have a choice. So that's not a that's not an irresponsible, immoral or wrong, unconstitutional decision by the court that made that decision. So therefore, the Elections Commission is to obey 
what the court ordered. And that's why uh, Will, Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, is bringing this um, action today to try to get the, the election commission to comply. Look, if, if you leave all these people in this voter roll, and, and here's, here's why it's so strategic, David. We have a major election year right now. We're yes. in Yes. Oh, my goodness. In six weeks, we are going to have our first election, and that's going to be a primary. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Feb well, I, February. Like, I'm an election freak. I'm an election freak. So I, I, I think, you know, every time we get an election, we have an opportunity to do the right thing, right? Yes, but this is for the Wisconsin Supreme Court next it's month. Huge. So it is huge. Yes. It is. And so- so the, the liberals and the liberals on the election commission are dragging their feet because they don't want anything changed prior to the uh, February primary for the spring nonpartisan election, followed by the April 7th election, where we have the general election for the state Supreme Court and all the local offices. So there, look, it's very clear. They're dragging their feet because they don't want to change anything prior to those elections, they'll drag their feet until next year, if they could possibly do it, to get through the fall primary and the fall general election. We're a targeted state by anybody's yes, measure. absolutely. We're a targeted state. Yeah, Julian, so, we've, just, go ahead. we've just got a minute before we have to take a break, but I want to get down to the 232,500 voters who apparently received letters from the election commission, and the letters were to confirm their ad address that they actually were yep. alive they lived there yep. and they registered to vote what what was the the problem with that um if people did not respond i don't understand what's wrong with that trying to confirm these people actually live where they live and they are who they say they are well there's nothing wrong with it at all it is absolutely what has to happen the purpose of the election commission is, we're going to go back to where we started, is to ensure we have free, fair, and honest elections. In the state capitol, David, there is a beautiful mosaic. There are four of them in the rotunda area, uh, one for each branch of government, but there's a fourth one. And it's the artist called it Liberty Guarding the Ballot Box. Mm. And it's a beautiful uh, depiction of a woman seated with one her um, left hand around a ballot box and her right hand pointing to heaven. And the artist said that in a republic, the voice of the people is as the voice of God. But the idea there is that she is protecting the free, fair, and honest elections that are so um, critical to maintaining a republic. When the voters don't have confidence that their vote is actually going to count and not be overridden or undone by fraudulent votes, then, um, then you have a problem. It, it, it diminishes the likelihood that people actually want to go out and vote because they just figure what what's the use. They're going to they're going to try to steal the election anyway. And so the Election Commission's job is to do the best they can to ensure that the only people on our voter rolls are alive and <laughs> live where they say they live. Yeah, that is fundamental. Well, but, but let's back it up one step, too. When we passed the, a law here that said you have to have a photo ID to vote, they squawked and screamed and hollered and stomped their feet and feet and dragged this into the courts and, you know, on and on and on. And why? Because they don't want to have basic fundamental protections in, to, uh, protections in place to ensure as much as humanly possible we have free, fair and honest elections. It, it works against them. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that, that's, you know, you say, well, that's it's the it's the ugly underbelly of politics. It really is. And so, you know, I, I tell everybody, go out, use your one vote, use it as wisely, as responsibly, as prayerfully as possible. And and trust God, where people are doing what they can to mitigate the influence of fraud. Uh, we're aware of it, you know, at every at every juncture. But. The Elections Commission needs to do the right thing, obey this court order, and get those people off the voter rolls who should not be on the voter rolls. Yes, and states across the country should be doing the same thing. Many of them are and have. We're with Julaine Appling, Wisconsin Family Council. When we come back, we're talking about Christianity today. Why does it seem to be against conservative evangelical Christians? And we'll get uh, Dennis Prager's response. Do Trump's personal flaws negate the good he has done? Plus, from Wisconsin right to life, 
uh, game day and the Packers' defense isn't good enough. What are they talking about? That and more when we come back. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. All right, we, we have Julian Appling, Wisconsin Family Council, on the line with us. Before we get to um, just the Christianity Today attacking President Trump right before Christmas. Merry Christmas, President. Because um, interesting if you hear the interviews on uh, MSNBC or CNN saying, hey, now they all of a sudden like Christianity today. <laughs> they didn't know it was progressive. But it's, it's funny you hear the two sides, and we'll talk about that with Julaine in a minute. But I want to ask your take on um, the Green Bay Packers Foundation giving a grant to Planned Parenthood of Wisconsin, obviously a pro-abortion organization. The article over at Wisconsin Right to Life, it's game day and the Packers' defense isn't good enough. In other words, they, they're defending this decision. Jelaine, uh, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I saw that story when it broke, and it's disheartening. Look, I, I'm, a, I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. I have been since I moved to Wisconsin and I, for a lot, to a large degree, I do think their foundation supports an awful lot of good causes. I went through the list when it was published here this year and right. saw the, the Planned Parenthood on there. Uh, here's what I think happened. I think the Green Bay Packer Foundation bought a lie. I suspect that Planned Parenthood came in and made mm-hmm. a pitch. Oh, we help women and we help, you know, we provide health care and education in our schools and all of that. Um, whether it's wittingly or unwittingly, it's un- it's very unfortunate for those of us who are uh, Packer fans, but are more importantly truly pro-life, mm-hmm. to see that the foundation bought that lie and went ahead and gave signif- uh, presumably significant money to Planned Parenthood, who's not only an abortion provider, but they are our state and our nation's leading largest abortion provider. Yes, we. Every every abortion facility in Wisconsin, except one, is a Planned Parenthood facility. That you know, um, Planned Parenthood is responsible for the vast majority of abortions that happen in our state, and now it's right, right around six thousand a year right now. And uh, the Green Bay Packers, regardless of what they say, um, they they either bought a lie, uh, knowing uh, and not knowing the truth about what this organization does. Or they knew it and did it anyway. Right. And and either one is, in my opinion, um, not not in the best interest of the foundation. It it is a, a black mark against their their otherwise generally. You go through the list, David, and it's really quite impressive yes, some of the is. things they have supported. Agreed. And um, but this is this stands out. It just screams and. You know, I'm glad that Pro-Life Wisconsin and Wisconsin Right to Life and our organization all spoke out and said, you know, this is not this is not acceptable. And and by the way, all they had to do was just not give the money. Just stay away from it. Just stay stay away from those questionable things, Mm -hmm. you know, and and then they stay in the clear of it. So I, I don't know who there in the foundation was responsible for it, but I would certainly hope that they would reconsider for any future funding. In this statement, it says, our job is to expose the truth of what Planned Parenthood does on a daily basis. They kill those who have no voice. The Packers Foundation members were either uneducated about Planned Parenthood's business model or complacent in taking the lives of unborn children. We cannot excuse That's exactly right. Yep. Amen. That's exactly right. right, And, And I haven't seen any defense, by the way. No. No, and I, we just want to raise awareness about this. A yep. lot of Packers fans listening, because we are based in Wisconsin. We have listeners from all across the country, but Packers fans, just uh, be knowledgeable about this. And uh, if it comes up, you're, you know, you, you're informed and you can talk about it now. Um, in Miami, right now going on, Julaine, uh, Evangelicals for Trump Coalition is meeting. I've seen a lot of pretty big names going down there from the Christian community to to meet. Now, these are the four Trump as opposed to Christianity Today. So Dennis Prager had a good article, came out. Uh, there, a lot of media outlets picked it up, but One News Now, Daily Wire. Um, he says the editor-in-chief of Christianity Today wrote an editorial calling for the impeachment of President Donald Trump. In my view, this editorial only serves to confirm one of the sadder realizations of my life that religious conviction guarantees neither moral clarity nor common sense. 
<laughs> and he says yeah. um, their view is an amoral view that says more about the editor than it does about the president. Uh, he and the people who share this opinion, meaning the Christian left, are making the following statement. No matter how much good this president does, it is less important than his character flaws. And Julian, he said, why is this wrong? Because it devalues policies that benefit millions of people. Your take on this. Well, I, d I don't think it does devalue those policies. The reality is that God does use all kinds of people, believers and unbelievers, um, you know, throughout. Look at the Bible. He, he has to accomplish good things for the good of the people. Um, I think I think Dennis Prager was right on this. I think that just because we hold some type of a re religious conviction does not mean that we are assessing accurately uh, what we're seeing or that we've exercised um, good common sense and that we have an actual moral clarity on an issue. Um, to be able to say that President Trump, the good that he has done through policies that and, and we could we could sit here. I mean, there are tons of them we could go through here yeah. that where he has helped. We just talked about the economy. Well, let's talk about undoing the, the the memo that went out to all the schools saying you have to impose uh, trans, uh, policies that are giving special rights and protections to transgender students, mm -hmm. you know, over everybody else. Uh, just you can go on and on and on to say that those are not are not good enough to outweigh the character problems that the president brings into um, brings with him. I mean, let's be honest, he brings them with him. Mm. It's just ridiculous. Yep. By the way, David, I don't know about you, but I have character flaws, too. You do? Oh, I know. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> you just, you the know? bubble just burst. <laughs> I know. Because we're all human, right? Yeah. We all and, have a past, so, too. And we all have a past. And if we're all judged that our good that we do today is not um, good enough or is not right because of who, of, of, of the flaws that we have, the sins that we have committed, uh, how, do, how does that work for any of us? Mm. Does that mean that every pastor should be all the good that he or she is currently done in the pulpit or in a ministry should be he should, that person should be removed from office because of the past? How, how, how far do you take that? Mm. Is and now here's my take on what Christianity Today has done. Christianity Day, Today has gone over the years. The magazine has moved to, as you said, to become very progressive. Yes. I don't, I don't trust their take on biblical issues anymore. I don't either. I think they have, well, yeah, and they've been very soft on things. So maybe what they're really saying is we just fundamentally disagree with some of the things that the president has done. And this gives us a convenient way to say we're removing from office. His character is, you know, so bad that we don't need an unethical, immoral presence in the White House. Well, <laughs> um, not the way to do it. Absolutely not the way to do it. And by the way, um, the mix, it's a pretty mixed bag of evangelicals that are meeting down there in Miami with the president. <laughs> what do you mean? Mixed <laughs> well, bag. It, it represents it, it's there, there's a lot of variety of of um, people involved in the, quote, evangelical movement. Yes. That is advising Trump. So they're not all people that I look at and go, oh, man, that person really represents me. Right. Exactly. I mean, some of them are <laughs> apologists for Trump, and, and they kind of ignore um, some of his f character flaws, his tweets, his language, which really bothers us. When Roseanne and I are watching it, we happen to tune in when he oh. happens to be speaking in one of his crowds. He's got the crowd behind him, you know, he's just, he, and there's where the entertainer in him comes out, and he yeah. throws out a cuss word or something. I'm going, yep. Come, was that necessary? Just because it gets applause. And so, as a Christian, you go, oh, Gosh, Lord, it, does he? It, does he? Does he need more restraint and self-control? Absolutely. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. we we don't go to the polls though and say, "Well, he let a cuss word fly in that um, in that speech he gave down in whatever stated." We're saying, look at all the good that the policies that he has already implemented. And like you said, if I didn't know, if if a, the average person, if they were to be fair, Julaine, and looked at the accomplishments of this president, the policies, whether it be regarding Israel, whether it be regarding the pro-life movement, the decisions, religious freedom, and on down the list, 
and you didn't know who the president was, you would think, gosh, this guy's got to be Christian. But I'm not saying he is or he isn't. I'm just saying look at the policies, and the average Christian should probably say, yeah, thank God that he has done what he's done so far. Well, we better be. We better be thankful that God has allowed us yet an open window to retain our freedom so we can Mm. preach and teach the gospel and evangelize around the world and live according to our faith and and live out the, the, the scripture in Timothy where it talks about being able to have godly, living godly and peaceable lives and all righteousness that we might see the salvation of people yet. Um, you know, when we're, th- th- look, religious freedom is very, very important. And this president has done an enormous amount to ensure that you, David, can continue to have a ministry at Q90 open and public and preach and teach the gospel through your music and your programming and all the rest of that. Same as it, it is for us. Look, um, Bob Vanderplatz is the, my counterpart in Iowa with the family leader. He's just a tremendous guy. I tell people all the time when I grow up, I want to be the female version of Bob Vanderplatz. <laughs> but um, Bob Vanderplatz has uh, the president's ear at times, and he's been interviewed on different programs subsequent to this Christianity Today article, and I think Bob nailed it. He said, look, as Christians, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can tell the president, I don't appreciate your name calling. I don't appreciate when you use the Lord's name in vain. I don't appreciate your, your, you know, this, that, or the other thing. But thank you for your policies. Yes. I mean, it's not either or. It's both and. We, we, we let him know when he's crossed the line and done the wrong thing or in the wrong way. But we also thank him and appreciate and, and, and support the, the good that he does. My goodness, this is not. This is not a, um, I'm trying to think of the term that I talk about, a zero-sum game. It's not a zero-sum game. But, but here's what happens. In November of 2020, David, we are going to be faced as American Christians with the same thing we were faced with in six, uh, 2016 when we went to vote for the president. You're going to look at that ballot and you're going to say, what are my choices and right now, that can, that field of candidates from the Democratic Party with 14 candidates, I look at them and go, are you kidding me? <laughs> yes. Are you seriously? I mean, how socialist? If the question is, who's the biggest socialist? Right. I mean, it, it, yeah. it's a spectrum, but it's every one of them in my book qualifies as a socialist. Um, I, I want to make sure people understand socialism is just not an economic system. In order for socialism to work, it has to do away with religious freedom. Right. Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, we <laughs> it, should it, it know has that. To. Yes. Yes. Let's. Well, uh, and, oh, go ahead. And they make it sound like we. Well, they, the people who are promoting it make it sound like it's this innocuous alternative to capitalism. It is not. <laughs> right. Those evil free markets. <laughs> well, the, why does the free market work? And by the way, here's the peril of the free market and capitalism and entrepreneurial endeavors. They are predicated on the um, the morality of the people who are involved with it, because we get when capitalism and the free market are left to the wrong people with the wrong type of character and the wrong type of values and wrong biblical world or wrong worldview. What happens? It devolves always into greed, graft, and corruption. That's the natural. That's the natural devolution of it, and and so um, the, the the beauty of the uh, capitalism and free market is that it's predicated on people who have a core belief that says we're going to run this thing honestly and fairly, and we're going to play by the rules, and those rules generally are coming out of Judeo-Christian uh, principles and values and beliefs, and and so um, socialism, in order to advance it. You basically have to set aside religious freedom and biblical worldview. It won't work in that in any other kind of environment. Right, exactly. Hey, Julian, before uh, we let you go, I do want to send listeners to your website, um, Wisconsin Family Action, Appleton, the next Wisconsin city to push ban on so-called conversion therapy for minors. But I don't want to get into that right now because I want to get your take on the recent, uh, the big news, the U.S. killing Iran's most powerful general in Baghdad, the airstrike that just happened. I mean, Geraldo Rivera actually (laughs) on Fox News said this is bigger than bin Laden. And uh, this guy, Quasim uh, Soleimani, I don't know if I said that right, but he was responsible for the deaths of hundreds of American soldiers, and there were plans already in place to take down other U.S. leaders. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, and because Trump is getting a lot of flack from this decision. 
Yeah, he is. And I heard the Geraldo interview, and what Geraldo also said was he thought it was a good tactical move, but that it would have major repercussions and that the president was actually going back on his promise to not get American um, armed forces involved in these kinds of ongoing Middle Eastern uh, mm. skirmishes that are you know, hundreds, if not thousands of years old. Um, I disagree with Geraldo on that, as, as did Brian Kilmeade on the, on yes. the show this morning. But, but look, um, this man was evil. He was at the nexus mm-hmm. of, of evil there in Iran. We had the opportunity to take him uh, out and remove him uh, permanently and to save lives of people going forward because of these plans that they were putting in place. It was a very targeted, strategic move. It didn't cause a lot of, uh, of you know, ancillary damage and collateral damage there in Iran. Um, the Democrats, the uh, progressives and the liberals don't like it. They're questioning whether or not he had the authority to do this. What they're upset about is the president has taken control as commander in chief and said enough is enough. We're not going to continue to let these kinds of evil people uh, propagate their evil beliefs and act on their evil, evil beliefs anymore when we have the opportunity to stop it. Mm-hmm. And, and that's look, the, 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 the progressives and liberals hate Donald Trump. Let's right. just be honest. Yeah. Here. They they hate him. It doesn't matter what he does. They're going to call exactly. it bad and, and wrong. Exactly. And so, but you know what I think, David? I think uh, clear-minded Americans, regardless of where they are on the political spectrum, if they're clear-minded, they look at this and they say, thank you for helping to protect American lives, not just in the short term, but in the long term. Thank you for removing one more person who was bent on not just destroying our way of life, but destroying our people. Absolutely. And this guy, uh, he was uh, evil. He was in, he was actually Iran's key link to the militias in Syria and Iraq. And uh, uh, it's I think it's great that uh, this has been taken care of. But now there will be retaliation. How, when, where, we don't know. But, Julaine, one more thing real quick. You've got some events coming up through Wisconsin Family Council in uh, Waukesha County in Janesville, Wisconsin. And uh, tell us a little bit about the events and uh, where people can get more information on getting involved. Well, these are community-based events this round that we are calling 2020 Vision, uh, Contending for the Faith, Challenging the Culture. They've been very well received, David, all across the uh, state as we've done these. Uh, January 16th, uh, we'll see two weeks, just a little over, uh, just a little less than two weeks from now. That Thursday, we'll be in Oconomowoc in western uh, Waukesha County at Schwaples Restaurant there. And then on uh, Thursday, January 23rd, we will be in Janesville at the Italian House bringing this event. And by the way, before um, the spring election in April, we will be in Green Bay. Actually, we're going to be in Green Bay the Thursday before the April election. Ooh, and so we, yeah, well, these are strategically timed. We want to make sure we're getting eight events in there between the middle of January and early April wow. to make sure we're around the state. And people can go to our website at wifamilycouncil.org and click on the events tab at the top menu bar and register for these events. Um, we encourage people to do that. We keep them small to make sure that we are able to meet and greet and engage with people. But um our goal is always first and foremost to honor the Lord Jesus Christ um, with all of everything that we do and say. And secondly, that people leave saying it was worth my time and I now know what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Amen. Oh. Julian Appling, Happy New Year. God bless you, sister. We'll talk again soon. Amen. God bless you, folks. Thank you. Thank, thank you. All right. When we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some exhortations for the new year from evangelist Mike Gendron. And we'll talk about some things that Christians can do to draw closer to the Lord and just be more effective as believers. Next. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Well, a lot of things we can encourage uh, each other with as we uh, start a new year already a couple days in and... uh, we have to just encourage each other to remember uh, why we're here and that we're just not here for any random reason or to just look out for number one, but we have a purpose in Christ, and that purpose, of course, is to be salt and light, to uh, make disciples, share the gospel, to just be what the Bible teaches us to be as we walk and live as strangers and aliens here, so to speak. The Bible says our citizenship is in heaven, and we need to—there's a lot of people that are struggling with— everything that's going on in the country, 
and around the world. They maybe uh, have a hard time watching the news, and that's understandable. But Jesus said in Matthew 24, uh, so many things will happen. So many signs will take place. Also, uh, 2 Timothy 3, the heart of man will grow cold and wickedness and lawlessness and people's love will grow cold. Um, So many different things are predicted, but I want to share some thoughts from evangelist Mike Jenner. We had him on the show a couple months ago. Got to have him back. Um, Just some exhortations for the new year. He says, the dawn of a new year and a new decade is always a good time for Christians to reflect on why we're here, who God has called us to be, and how we can express our love for him. And it begins with remembering the great love that the Father has bestowed on us, that we would be adopted into his eternal family and called children of God. He paraphrased 1 John 3, 1. He said, We will always be debtors to God's amazing grace, having been redeemed by the precious blood of our glorious Savior, to, be, to enjoy every spiritual blessing in him. And he says, May our hearts be filled with gratitude and thanksgiving for all Jesus has done to save us completely and forever. He called us out of darkness into his light so we could proclaim the excellencies of God's perfect man and perfect God. That's 1 Peter 2, 9. Following several exhortations from God's word, uh, these things will help us faithfully serve our great God and Savior in the new year. First, Corinthians 10, 31. Do all things for the glory of God. Uh, Glorifying God is the supreme purpose for our existence in this life and throughout eternity. Uh, We can bring praise and honor to God by declaring his glorious character and attributes, his sovereign and sustaining power over his majestic creation and his infinite wisdom in orchestrating a plan to save sinners from the demands of his righteous justice. Now, as we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, we will be motivated to bring glory, honor, and praise to his name. It's Hebrews 12, 2. Next, abide in God's word, John 8, 31 and 32. In abiding in him and his word, we will prove to be disciples of Jesus Christ. We will experience the transforming power of his word, and we will not conform to this world, Romans 12, 2. As we abide in God's word, may we be enlightened to the hope of his calling and the greatness of his power. And since all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, training in righteousness, 2 Timothy 3.16, we need God's word to know his will and to discern truth from error. The reading, study, memorization, and meditation of scripture will help us grow in our knowledge and love for God and it'll help us live lives lives pleasing to him. Next, pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Paul exhorts us to be devoted to prayer. That doesn't mean you're verbally praying all day. You can pray in your mind, pray in your heart. Um, As you go about your day, pray with an attitude of thanksgiving, it says in Colossians 4, 2. When we pray, we are demonstrating our utter dependence upon our sovereign Lord while acknowledging his power and ability to answer our prayers. And prayer also gives us the opportunity to have communion with our Father. Two more. Be faithful to the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Um, As we know, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. How can we get more involved with his mission? May our love for God motivate us to be useful and effective witnesses for Christ and his gospel. Evangelism is a discipline that can be motivated by growing love and compassion for those who are perishing. So let us always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have in Christ. 1 Peter 3.15 And may our speech be seasoned with salt, so to speak. And finally, contend earnestly for the faith. From Jude 3, of course, in these days of growing deception, including many distortions of the gospel, false teachings, we need to put on the armor of God, fight the good fight of faith, remain separated from these things, sanctified by the truth, and we need to contend against the growing ecumenical movement that seems to unite all professing Christians and 
we really need to warn about these things, the move to the one—it's it's prophesied it's going to happen, the one-world religion, one-world government, all these things that would, quote, unify. Well, they cannot unify if Jesus is exclusive and says he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. So as we begin this new year, let us use the gifts we've been given by God to serve others, to speak the truth, to be encouragers and truth defenders. And let us continue to use Scripture, the very words of God, that he may be praised and that we would give him glory in our daily lives. When we come back, we'll wrap up today's show and talk about next week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now, we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. And I just want to share a verse with you before I tell you uh, who's going to be on next week, who you will be hearing um, next Monday through Friday. Um, Philippians chapter 3, starting verse 12, Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which, for which also I was laid, laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Then he says, Brothers, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So let's think about this individually and together as whatever fellowship, church you are a part of, pressing on toward the goal for his call, the upward call. We know he's called us, and we know we are, hopefully will be faithful. We need to be faithful. In Jesus' name. Press on, my brother and sister in Christ. Next week, um, let's see, Monday, we'll be talking about sanitized socialism. Uh, Julian and I touched on that a little bit today. Tuesday, Dave Wager in studio with Crash. Wednesday, we're going to be talking about Kanye West, which um, how fascinating that whole story and his conversion is. Um, Thursday, the topic is religious freedom. And Friday, Elijah Abraham on how so many churches just want to hear the good. Tell me the good. Tell me the positive. Tell me the fluff. Tell me things that will just lift me up, make me feel good. Well, that's that might not be the biblical approach uh, to a balanced Christian life to discern uh, what's really happening, and we are to understand the times, my friend. So God bless you. Thank you so much for tuning in. Again, Happy New Year from all of us here at Stand Up For The Truth and at Q90FM. And always keep speaking the truth about things that matter.